0: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton.
1: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to episode 86. This is episode 86. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, how was your Thanksgiving last week, bud? Man, I had a great Thanksgiving. I went to
0: Denver this week. Was up there, got to meet with several listeners. Um, one was a was I haven't now I haven't you know is um, I think left a review on the show a few weeks ago. Josh uh, Lee Denke. and uh, got to meet up with Lee and had a great time. I think she's actually coming on the show. Hopefully early January. She's got a class. She told me she's promoting. In Houston Texas early January so we'll have more information about that but had a good time meeting with Lee and a listener from uh, way way back uh, Nick a good friend of mine got to be with him and um, and um, and uh, some more folks as well had a great dinner learned a lot and uh, ready to get back to it Josh got a lot to go on to today and real quick um, Halcon our winner, Josh, has not reached out to me, Halcon Black. So, Halcon Black, you have until the 14th, or we will give your basket to someone else. That's how we roll around here. So, just wanted to say that. I know we have a few ratings reviews, Josh, but just wanted to get that in there real quick.
1: Yeah, Ryan, mentioning that, uh, the reviews. What I'm looking at, we have, it's showing that we have a higher number of reviews. I'm only seeing one written review from Alex B. It was published on November the 25th. He said, uh, hey, guys, I'm a mechanical engineer. Just started working for an artificial lift company here in Midland. Listen to your podcast all the time when I'm on the road. After listening to 80 with Tara Oilfield, I actually met your guest, Jose Ortega, at an S-P-E-Y-P happy hour. I'd love to meet up What's your next Midland event. That's cool, man, that people are connecting yep. and, and meeting. Um,
0: hey, Josh, we actually have one more I'm seeing on my end, so I'll go ahead and read that as well. Uh, it just posted, it looked like last night, but it's new to the tall city, was the uh, the name of the reviewer. Enjoy the show. It's a quick and easy way uh, to, up, to stay up to date on the industry and helps the drive out to the to the field to go by a little quicker. I, too, downloaded iTunes solely to re- leave a review. I enjoy hearing about the future projects as well as the mergers and acquisitions. So thank you, new to tall to the city, um, for the review and Alex B. Again, Hawkeye Black, you have until... Um, you know, two weeks from today, two weeks from today. And as you guys just heard, Josh cannot see one. I can see one. So get them in. We will have our final gift basket and our VIP tour of the Rodney Strong Winery in Sonoma County. We'll have on Ryan Clark that day to talk about exactly how that works. And he will draw the winner as well. Oh, hey, 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 Josh. We picked up another one star. I guess we talked I I saw that. I, I, I guess the thing. I guess we talked about the Democrats. that got mad. Listen, if you listen long enough, we'll crush on the Republicans too. So do, you know, we're equal opportunity haters around here. So,
1: <laughs> yep. You we know, don't. We don't hold any punches, man. We every now and then we'll we'll hate on each other too. So, uh, yeah, I, I saw that, Ryan. You know, I, I that was the, what confused me is I saw the number of reviews went up um, by like three or four on the on the five star, and then. I mean, I, th- I thought for sure there would be another written review, but there was only one, so I thought there was probably one missing on my end. And then I saw that that one-star review, so mm. unfortunate. But I wish they would leave like written content, you know, let us know what they what they think, what their review was, so we could possibly address it. Oh well. Oh well. All right, uh, Ryan. We have uh, first article we want to look at today from MRT is U.S. oil and gas reserves surpassed the 1970 record. Uh, this shows that the reserves are growing. Uh, we've been talking about this for, for some time now. Uh, reserves have been growing for several months. Uh, we have a, a really cool article, uh, really a, a report we're going to go over, uh, here shortly, Ron, but, uh, the, I mean, the reserves have been growing and, and it's interesting that we were actually the previous record in 1970 was 39 billion barrels. Uh, it just hit 39.2 billion barrels, um, at the end of 2017. So um, interesting numbers there.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, just to kind of not, not spend a lot of time on this because we have on drilling info about the report, as you mentioned, but just what kind of caught my eye, Josh, was since the 1970s, this is from the article, since the 1970s, the nation's petroleum reserves have been in decline for roughly three decades, um, and so you look at that and you go, "Wow, okay, So the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and then the 2000s. And you know, for us, we're younger. You know, we're younger guys in the industry. You know, the shale boom is kind of all we've known. But to sit back and to think that for you know, the first half of our lives, really, that wasn't the case. And so it's kind of interesting that you, you've lived through both sides of this coin, but from a practical side, as far as work experience goes, you've only experienced one. And it just goes to, you know, just, just goes to show probably in 1995, we probably wouldn't have a Texel and Gas podcast because it, the industry wasn't as robust as it is now. So that's a, a good thing for the industry. And, um, you know, we'll see how it plays out in the long term, but that's a good sign.
1: Well, Ryan, we've been talking about the water issue. That's been uh, happening in the Permian Basin, and some of the businesses that are trying to come up with some solutions. One of them, a uh, Corpus Christi official, is looking to meet growing water demand by pumping some money into some uh, facilities and structures that, can take the water from the Gulf, take the salt out, and use it, and then dump the salt in other ways back into the, uh, back into the Gulf. And they're they're trying to come up with a plan that that uh, well, they can get that done, but there have been some some outcry on, from several different sides saying that they shouldn't put those uh, waste back into the Gulf. Um, but they're trying to come up with a, a solution to to this water issue, and, and they're looking like they're going to have to start getting some salt water to to use it because the other options are, are becoming cost ineffective. Um, and me and you have talked a little bit, Ryan. I mean, if you put the salt and Stuff that was already in the water, back in the water, it shouldn't it shouldn't be that hazardous. I, I wouldn't think. Uh, maybe I'm missing something.
0: Yeah. So I,
1: I'm kind of like you. It's one of those things where
0: we're not experts on it, so we can't really say one way or another. But I was thinking about this. You're putting in the water. The water's moving, you know, with the tide coming in and out. You would think that that would kind of get dispersed back into the ocean and it wouldn't be a big problem. Maybe not though. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not a saltwater expert by any stretch of imagination. But it kind of makes you wonder, huh? Okay. I, I do agree though. That with the premise here in and it says that I think forty percent of all the water in Corpus Christi is used by plants. I think is what it said. I want to say I read that somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. You have to you have to stop that. You and, and you got to fix this problem. Um, um, and so. And maybe, and don't, don't quote my 40%, like I can't find it now. But it was, it, there was somewhere I read about the percentage. You But you do have to address this issue. This is the best way we talked about it. And there's going to be a need for more of this, probably long-term in the state of Texas anyways. So if Corpus Christi can kind of lead the charge here, figure it out. Final thing I'll say is, um, someone one time proposed to me putting uh, something similar, a deal like this similar together in Mexico. And they talked about selling the salt back to the market. Now, um, I don't know exactly what part of the market or whatever. So there might be an option there if someone's in the salt business to buy the salt and sell it to the quote-unquote market again. Salt outside of my, salt outside of my, you know, anything yeah. I ever deal with. Um, I do think this is a positive step though, Josh. I think they are gonna have to figure this because um, there's a quote in here. They said that they they expect. Corpus Christi kind of looks at this, expecting there, there to be more plants, more facilities, mm-hmm. more things going on, and they should. So they need to start addressing this issue now before it becomes a problem.
1: Yeah, I mean the the numbers that that we're going to be talking about here in uh, just a, just a few minutes, Ryan. The projections for the first quarter of 2020, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: brothers is going to need a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you that right now, and and it's going to be it's going to be tight. They got to find that. They- something out really before then uh, about what they're going to do. I think, um, because it, I mean, there's a huge source of salt water. If we can figure out how to use this in a way that's responsible, um, I think it would it would completely solve our issue. I mean, at that point, you just have to figure out how to transport it from the coast to these plants, which most of them are, p- are pretty close by. So, right, that seem that seems like uh, that seems like the best the best plan. I just thought about something, Ryan, a minute ago, and I forgot about it, but um, I, I, I'm trying to remember. It was something interesting. It was something with the, the salt water and the plants and uh, something I read earlier, but it may come to me later. We have one last thing, Ryan, before we, uh, we bring on drilling info to come and give us an end of year report uh, and some projections for next year. Our, our good friend, David, uh, wrote an article that's uh, posted on Forbes, How Much Longer Will OPEC Hold Together? Uh, and he talks about OPEC's consternation with uh, the American companies that are drilling, and they've had to keep um, cutting some of their oil production. And it, they're, what Blackman is posing here is that this, this band of brothers here in, in the OPEC is some of them are probably going to start to dissent and, and possibly begin to pull out to start drilling and stop basically living at the mercy of these American companies that keep drilling. Uh, my question to you, Ryan, is I read it, cause I've I've read some, I've read multiple reports. If the O was to disband, would that be good for America or bad? We have a special guest, Tyler Hogue. He's a senior senior energy analyst with Drilling Info. He's coming on the show today. Tyler, what's up, buddy? How's it going?
2: Hey, good, Ryan. How are you?
0: Yeah, we're doing great here uh, in the great state of Texas. Just actually was up in you guys' way a few. Well, this two days ago up in. Um, up in the Denver area, so you guys were gracious enough, as we talked about, to send over your um, your NGL update from your fundamental edge report. Uh, we're going to talk about where folks can get this. It's chock full of information, a lot to get to. Tyler, uh, before I kind of say, "Hey, this is what I caught this that, uh, caught my eye," why don't you tell the listeners some of the things from the report that caught your eye?
2: Yeah, so so the fundamental edge report is kind of a, a monthly market update for. For those that aren't subscribed to it, um, you know, last actually, I believe your last show you talked about the um, crude supply and demand. We had um, mm-hmm. we had a fundamental edge on on that, and this month it specializes in in the NGL update, uh, like you said. So, I mean, overall, I think uh, what's going on in the NGL industry is you have you have a lot of constraints. Um, pipelines are full um fractionators are full and uh prices are down right now with crude oil so the report's kind of kind of talking about that and the dynamics in the in the in the ngl world right now
0: yeah and the report is kind of a a mixed bag of news if you will there's there's some you know we're going to get into some of that in a second is the constraints and um the the, the first thing that, that kind of caught my eye was as you talked about crude oil being down um a lot about what's going on in 2019 pipeline constraints but you your report notes right off the bat. NGL production has hit a record high eight months in a row now. Is this a trend that we're going to see as long as we see a lot of drilling in places like the Permian, maybe up in the Bakken, in the Powder River? Um, is this something that we're going to see? Also, we know that you know if a little bit of boost in uh, natural gas prices could affect this, or do you think that, hey, we're on an eight-month run <laughs> here, but we don't expect this to, con- to continue on long-term?
2: Yeah, I think um, as long as as long as constraints don't exist in the world, I think, and, and prices are um, conducive to to production, then we're gonna keep seeing it growing. But right now, as as oil drops and these constraints are in place, um, you, you could see a little bit of volatility in, in the production. And um, for the most part, we have, our, our team actually does a production forecast, and we we do. Uh, it's called Prodcast, and we do a. We basically take uh, about seventy exploration production companies, figure out um, how many wells they're they're putting on in the short in the short term, as well as uh, capex that that they're putting to drilling and completions to try to predict uh, short term pricing, and then we have a long term price based forecast. That's kind of like, hey, at $70 oil, what basins are in the money? And at that point, if it's in the money, then there's going to be production coming out of it. So, um, But right now, we're seeing, we're seeing production continuing to grow as these, some of these constraints are relief, relieved. And uh, that'll come out across all three commodities.
0: Yeah, and we've talked on the show extensively about the pipeline issue, and you, and you touch on that some here, um, but you also make a note that if there weren't issues like, this, to say, pipeline issues or maintenance season um, or whatever the case may be, that um, that the NGO world, this is a quote here, would have bigger problems than it does now because of the bottlenecks further down the chain. What are some of those bottlenecks that you're seeing, and when will those be alleviated?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, they're basically across all basins. So I mean people talk about pipe full pipelines right now because they're forgetting about the downstream, but basically the downstream isn't prepared either. So I mean for example the mid continent right now um and Cushing is another NGO hub. A lot of NGOs are are going there and then they can't get to Mont Bellevue because of the limited takeaway out of the region. Um and, and Mont Bellevue is the main hub in the country for NGOs right so that's where about half the fra- the fractionation space in the country is so right now that fractionation space is really tight um so i mean after after the gas comes out of the well and goes through a processing facility it it goes to a uh, it turns uh, they separate Gas and NGLs. NGL portion is is Y grade, right? So these Y grade pipelines are full, and they can't get down to the fractionators to be separated into the individual purity products to be sold. So, so overall, that uh, even if these if these constraints are like the like the pipelines out of the out of the Midcon or the processing and line, wow. line pressures in the DJ. Or the um, refinery turnaround in, in the Bakken. If those didn't exist, then we still would have problems down the road um, once you get to Mont Bellevue.
0: Okay, I want to focus in on production here with two two questions. I'll ask them. Uh, let you answer to uh, respond to each one separately. So the first question is: um, you you have a mention about ducks and how they've been on the rise. Um, you know, it's my opinion at least that not all ducks are created equally, um, and especially if you go back, the further you go back in time, uh, where prices were different, where they were drilled, some ducks may be better than others, and you don't really know until the ducks turned online. When you guys are measuring ducks, it's one of the things that you guys. You know, I see some reports. Y'all y'all, y'all track these things. How do you weigh in the ducks? Because the ducks is one of those things where everyone can kind of talk about it, say, well, there's these, this amount of ducks and they're growing, da, da, da. Um, but you guys are trying to analyze the market, make predictions, um, see where things are going. How much weight do you put in the ducks? Or is it kind of one of those unknown variables? Or are you looking at surrounding wells and saying, well, these surrounding whales did X, so therefore we're anticipating this duck to uh, produce? Obviously, you don't have to give all the inside secret sauce, but just, just curious, how do you look and view at ducks uh, when you're making these reports?
2: Yeah, so I think um, there's a lot of ducks out there that are bad ducks. Mm-hmm. I think, as we call them, um, dead
0: ducks. <laughs>
2: so I mean, you know, they're yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they're they're drilled, and then you know, ultimately, maybe the the company missed their target, and mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't a good wasn't a good drill out, um, and then they just don't complete it in general. So we actually kind of take a bias towards more of the the most recent ducks okay. over the past six months or a year. Um, and I mean, even those ducks, especially in the, uh, in the Permian, um, I think we, I think we have, um, not hundred percent sure, but I think they're around a thousand right now, um, in, in the Permian. So, so that short term, uh, duck amount is probably a little more reflective of how many wells could potentially turn online. Um, but we don't really, we don't make a production forecast off of ducks. We kind of, we just look at, hey, what um, what are the completion, what are these companies saying, all the exploration production companies, how many how many wells are they going to turn online through the end of the year and into next year? As, as companies are starting to release their 2019 um, guidance, how many of those wells are they actually completing? So I think you you, you are going to have a little bit of a bump once some of these crude pipes come online, but for the most part, we just use um, we we just use that company guidance.
0: Okay, uh, let's one more question about production and talk about some uh, midstream stuff here in a second. Um, according to the report that you say that you're projecting a five percent growth in natural gas production next year but then 21% over the next five years. Um, Now we talked some about the constraints. Um, Are you guys linking this? uh, Obviously price is gonna be a factor, um, but we're seeing that 5% growth next year uh, and then 21% growth for the next five years. That kind of sounds like it's correlated to what we've talked about before with the pipelines that are coming on, you know, third, fourth quarter next year. Um, Once though, you know, you you can see a slow growth next year, but then after that, you can see it ramp up. Um, What's kind of your thoughts on that? Is that tied to some of these strength we're seeing or is there other issues that are gonna um, g- that they got you to these numbers
2: yeah so basically our uh, most of our we assume NGL production comes from ultimately the decisions made around crude and gas um, so our NGL forecast is based off of a a GPM that we set it's it's kind of a rolling Rolling GPM, we use the gas to oil ratio um, of certain basins and kind of roll out a, um, you know, some some algebra and uh, some proprietary math there, and then figure out the associated NGL production that's going to come out of that. So our gas and oil production is is more um, focused on those constraints and then NGL production. We do a little bit. Um, you know, the, the report we can see out in, um, past 2021, um, for example, the Northeast has the line and that's going to result in extra, um, ethane recovery. So that's included in our NGL production and, and, you know, certain, certain, uh, triggers are pulled to kind of fit that to, to infrastructure. So we do, we do look at that and we take that into account, but for the most part, it's, it's tied to oil and, Oil natural gas.
0: Right. Now, one of the things we're not going to give away, the listeners will have to contact Drilling Info to get more of the goods on this stuff, but it is chock full of companies with names and projects and stuff that's going on. Um, uh, we talk about midstream there's midstream companies here and, and you, you you quote um, I don't have to let's see if I have the quote here yeah here it is midstream companies are also incentivized to keep storage volumes low so you kind of break down how midstream companies um, maybe like an enterprise product products or a targo or energy transfer um, you kind of you kind of break down how they think about storing some of this walk us through how do midstream companies think about um, storing NGL and how that pertains to weather and storage volumes and things like that
2: yeah I think storage is an important part uh, it's coming into factor especially of late um, you have a lot of because of the fractionation constraints in the industry um, it's really kind of playing with the with the line there In the circumstance that there's too much supply and not enough fractionation um, these midstream providers will be will be putting their um, this y grade into storage but they're incentivized to not keep it in storage, mainly um, because they want to book that revenue earlier, and they also want to limit their exposure to, um, to price swings.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that. Uh, I'm curious, you guys. One of the things you, you know, we talked about last week is that when when drilling info comes out with stuff, we're always curious what it is. You guys are pro industry, just like we are. So if you're saying, hey, they're going to be conservative here, um, you know, it would it would behoove you guys to always upsell things. So it feels like you guys are always trying to balance out your stuff, and that's one of the reasons. Um, on this show, at least, we appreciate you. You know, when you're when you're trying to measure these reports and you're putting together these reports as a whole, how do you guys go through that process of trying to be, um you know, not doom and gloom and not overly optimistic, but try to, and, and, also try to understand, you know, how these companies are thinking about things because you guys are not obviously a midstream company you're a product or producer. So how do you guys balance all of this information and try to put it out in a report that's helpful for folks like our listeners?
2: Yeah. So I think, so uh, drilling info, we don't, um, that's a good question. I think, you know, we're, we're focused on giving customers and allowing them to make the best and most informed decisions. So we don't really take a bias towards, um, you know, we just, we just kind of look at the fact and say, all right, do we, we think the market is, you know, bullish or bearish right now. And my particular team, we focus more on the, um, overall price prediction, you know, with our, with our supply models and, um, just overall, like market analytics and this fundamental edge report, um, so we won't favor one side or the other. Um, I know people always don't want to hear that uh, the market's oversupplied, but you know we just kind of state the facts and. Mm-hmm. Let the customers make decisions based on those facts.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're looking at this report right here. It is a 12-page report, chock full of information. We cannot get to all of it, and we, we would not, because obviously you guys are in the business of making money as well. Which means our listeners need to go pick this up. We talked about the text roundup. If you are looking for insight on what's going on as far as per, uh, companies, where they're at, what projects they're doing, if you're wanting to build stuff, you're wanting to, you know, buy stuff, whatever. This is a. It doesn't. You know, it ain't gonna say, hey, go call, call Bob at this company, but it's. As far as what companies are doing what, um, it's very helpful to see what's going on in the NGL business as far as what they're expecting next year moving forward um, with production and things like that and storage. All of this stuff is covered in this report. It's a 12-page report, and literally it's full of information. Um, Tyler, if people say, you know what, I'm interested in pick up this report or other reports, uh, what should they do?
2: Yeah, so definitely appreciate that. Uh... <laughs> all those, all those words you're saying there. Um, so yeah, I mean, drilling info has a lot of different products across the board. Um, you know, my particular team that makes this, we're, we, uh, you know, we take a lot of pride in it, but, um, so anyone, anyone can have, uh, you know, you can, you can check out our drilling info products on online, you know, drilling info.com or, uh, support at drilling info.com. This one in particular called the fundamental edge, um, if you'd like to get access to that. But, yeah, just, just hit up support at drillinginfo.com. Yeah, and the final and thing is, if, you,
0: if you've heard this, Tyler, just get it clear, if you've heard this, you go, well, I'm not sure if this exactly is going to help my business. There are people there, and they have different reports or different softwares or different tools at Drilling info. You have a suite of tools that you can use. So if you're saying, you know what, Ryan, this sounds good, but it's not exactly what I'm looking for, they probably have a solution on the website, uh, maybe not you know visible, but reach out to them and ask because you guys are covering all uh, upstream, midstream, downstream. You've got a trading platform. You've got all kinds of stuff. So if this isn't exactly it, there's probably something else that they can reach through the support team and say, hey, this is what I need to help my business. I, I would guess that's a correct statement, right?
2: That's exactly right, Ryan.
0: Okay. All right, well, Tyler, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for John for setting this up. As always, he's the man who helps us with all this stuff. Uh, anything else
1: before we
2: let you out here today? No, sir. I appreciate the time. Thank you very much, Ryan.
1: Well, thanks again to Tyler Hoke for joining us on the show today. Thanks to uh, for drilling info for sharing this report with us. It was a great report. Um, it, was, uh, it was great having having Tyler come on the show and kind of break some of the uh, behind the scenes down for us. Ryan, I think uh, I think with that 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 wraps up for today. The Is there anything else we want to we want to cover before? um before we end the show today yeah we probably
0: should say in the interest of full disclosure josh that drilling info is no longer a sponsor of the podcast so these last two plugs that we've done for them it has nothing to do with money money or sponsorship or anything like that it's just because we think they do a good product so i thought about that after they got off like you know it may sound like we're uh you know we're getting they're sponsoring or something but they're no longer sponsoring the show but anyways they still do great products and so we still want you to go get their stuff and um you know i I know we have listeners who use them and, and and like their stuff. And again, I think the customization of what they can do is really important. And so, um, well, hope the listeners find it a value. And Josh, I think that's it. Hawk on you got to hit us up 318-599-912-9192 uh, if you want your gift basket. And hey, if you do reach out to Join Info, tell them that you sent uh, tell them that we sent them your way. I don't know. Maybe I'll throw you a bone. You never know. Uh, no promises though. <laughs> Hmm. maybe we should say Josh that they're going to throw them a bone and kind of put the pressure on drilling info <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah they told us 20% off <laughs> oh they'll probably never come back on now That's okay. never come on the
1: show again that's it right there
0: <laughs> so full disclosure there is no discount that we know about but do tell them that we sent you if you go over and give them a buzz uh, for Josh Shelton try Ride Race and until next time keep climbing